0: Michael, well, hello,
1: hello, sir. How are you?
0: Good. How are we doing?
1: Good, man. Good. Uh, Glad we could do this. Uh, So this is another episode of the Eagles water cooler, uh, a playoff edition. We're in. We're in. We're in. Um, So Mike and I uh, had tried to do a podcast actually before the Cowboys game um, that somehow got lost in the ether. Uh, But uh, they were able to win that game as well as the final game of the season against the Giants. And uh, they are now in the playoffs. And they're going to be hosting the Seattle Seahawks this Sunday at 440. Uh, big matchup. Uh, first playoff game of Carson Wentz's career. But looking back a little bit, Mike. Yeah. I just kind of wrote this in our agenda. But I, I was trying to think of a word to describe the season. And for me, it was whirlwind. I feel like this this entire season has been unpredictable, difficult, uh, sometimes really exciting but for the most part just kind of like yeah whirlwind that's the word I came up with
0: yeah it's like it's like almost like um multiple uh chapters to it and at one point maybe week 10 week 12 week 11 you're a lot of fans are ready to just you know like cast the season off and kind of you know cut their losses with the team uh didn't you know didn't want to go through all the heartbreak associated with What we were seeing and, you know, that mentality over the past four weeks has now really changed with the, you know, the the win streak that they're on, the the great play we're seeing on both sides of the ball. So it's been up and down. Well, and I think what's interesting about that is, you know, the po- the play
1: was really poor at that point in the season that you were just talking about, but the injuries were still there. And that's something that's continued even through this last game against the Giants, that the Eagles are still a very injured team with several people getting injured uh, in this last game to close out the regular season. So the injuries were kind of the, the common denominator. Uh, the difference really has been the play, and specifically the play of Carson Wentz. Um, and, yeah, I guess I kind of wanted, just from a – an overall perspective, what's been your take on Carson in these last four games that the Eagles needed to
0: win to get into the playoffs? I mean, he looks like he looks sharp. He looks like he's delivering the ball right where he wants to be uh, putting it. He's got plenty of zip on it. And in the past couple games, he's eliminated turnovers in the pocket. So <clears throat> he's, he's, he's playing exactly um Exactly the way we want him to play and, and and wish he can play. And he's doing it by spreading the ball around to some people we haven't heard of until recently. Yeah.
1: yeah and that's that's really fair. I you know, I, I really think he just has such a command when I watch him play right now. He is such a command of the offense, uh, the receivers that he's playing. these no name, you know, practice squad receivers that he's playing with. Um, he just seems to have such a confidence. And like I said, a command of the offense that I don't know. You know, in 2017, when the Eagles were on their Super Bowl run, he absolutely looked confident, but things were just kind of rolling in a different way. And he definitely was willing the team to win, but they were winning some of these games by such big margins. This year, you've really seen kind of another gear, I think, to Carson Wentz with the absence of Nelson Aguilar and Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey um, all being, having gotten injured um, and not being able to rely on J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, the second round pick that, in using practice squad players, he's actually been more successful and he's actually looked more himself.
0: Yeah, Uh, absolutely. It it, it seems as though, you know, this is a big intangible and hard to quantify, but Carson is getting that uh, ability to will the team to victory. And, you know, through plays, through clutch plays, clutch throws, um, getting, you know, the ball downfield to score points. Carson's just been able to do that Um, but you know he's doing everything in his power to put the team in the best position and you know it extends further than him you got to give some some props to Doug as Mm -hmm. well
1: definitely and and even with a a coaching staff that was kind of criticized a lot in the beginning of the year especially the receivers coach uh, whose name I can't remember but he you know, was under a lot of fire because of the poor play of the receivers and all the drops and these things. Well, some of these guys who are coming up from the practice squad seem very well prepared to play. So I'm not saying the Eagles should keep him by any stretch, but some sort of nod uh or credit given to the coaching staff for being able to get these players you know mobilized and involved in the game plan and making big plays in big moments um because carson is a, an improv kind of a player he's somebody who's gonna make plays outside of the design and he needs other people to be able to respond and, and that's based on relationships and he hasn't had long relationships with either of these guys or i'm sorry when i refer to like uh greg ward deontay burnett josh perkins he doesn't have as much experience throwing to them, but there seems to be a confidence where they kind of are relying on him. Right. Um, And that for someone, and I'm not picking on Alshon, but someone like Alshon, who's a veteran, who's been in the league for years before Carson came in, there's a different kind of a relationship there. And, you know, veteran to kind of newer player. And I think a lot of these younger guys are looking to Carson. He feels that trust and he, he can kind of play loose. I mean, he, he's definitely playing with, like I said, a command, but, He's also just kind of looking very natural as he does it. He
0: doesn't look like what we talked about on some earlier podcasts this year in terms of forcing it. Right, absolutely. And it really is amazing that he's been able to connect so well with um, some of these players off the the practice squad. And, you know, it could be a number of factors, but I wonder if him communicating this is where I'm going to put the ball. So next time we run this play, this is where you have to be. And it's taken, you know, a, a couple of weeks integrating these practice squad players into the offense and until you really saw it click. Um, but maybe there's that element to it where because these are more no-name guys, guys who are really willing to follow, you know, the lead of a quarterback like Carson Wentz who, you know, on on any other team would be a much older uh veteran he's playing that role right now for a lot of these younger practice squad guys and that you know that could be a factor to uh, the success they're having
1: yeah he's kind of become not a a default leader but you know just by all the injuries that have happened the receiving core is not a group of kind of celebrity receivers that Carson Wentz just happens to be throwing to it's kind of like they're his guys right Um, and it really comes off that way the Eagles released a video uh, where he was mic'd up in the game against um was it the Cowboys I missed this. It was, it was really great. I mean, the camaraderie, not just between he and – I mean, even Brandon Graham is coming up. to the, the Carson leadership questions to me, not just by this video, also from just kind of body language. To me, the guy is clearly a good leader, clearly a good teammate. Um, and I think some of these guys who are playing don't have huge egos. They don't know what's going to come you know, next week or tomorrow or next season because they're just a different caliber of player. But they're making plays right now, and Carson feels like he can trust them.
0: Absolutely. Um, it's it, it's exciting to see Carson get to this stage, um, as, you know, especially the way that they've had to do it with the players. Um, but now that he's in the playoffs for the first time starting, um, you know, he's really writing his own um, legacy and we're watching it play out. And, you know, he has the opportunity now to to go uh, play some games, and try to get to a Super Bowl and uh, win one.
1: And I think he's he's answering a lot of the questions that have been asked about him throughout the career, throughout his career thus far with injuries and everything else. I think he's answering a lot of those questions with the way he's been playing recently. Um, I just wanted to go over a couple of things. First, I think it's worth saying that from my vantage, like sitting on the couch, watching in particular the relationship between Carson Wentz and Greg Ward, I truly believe Greg Ward might have a future here as a receiver. I mean, I, I think that there's a certain amount of hyperbole that happens at this point in the year where they're playing with all these backup players and they're playing so well. And it's like, well, how long can this really last or how long-term is this? But there's something going on between Greg Ward and Carson Wentz. There's a trust there. Um, I think Greg Ward has, I want to say maybe 15 catches and maybe eight of them are for first downs. So, yeah. you know, he's kind of, he's, he's become that guy for Carson, especially in the absence of Earths. Um, and it's been a really interesting thing to watch develop. What are your thoughts on Ward being, you know, I know we're trying to focus on the here and now and the playoffs and everything, but do you see Do you see what I'm talking about or do you kind of think
0: he'll be a guy who's here for now and then next year they'll turn it over? Well, I mean, you know, the way that he's stepped onto the field and been able to be a big playmaker uh, when the Eagles really need it, he's really carried us down the field on, on, on some of these drives late in games. Uh, he's earned himself, in my eyes, a spot to be on the Eagles roster. I mean – or at least a chance, right? I mean, right. At least a chance. I mean, I think with the production that we've shown his ability to work with Carson and, you know, relatively still being young and um, very affordable, I think it would be a no brainer, uh, you know, in terms of putting good talent on the field, as well as managing our cap with a good solid young player, like, Greg Ward, who's not going to cost you too much. So, yeah, I mean, he should be on the field next year for sure.
1: Yeah, and as a a long-range kind of thing, I think Greg Ward – you know, Arthaga Whiteside's going to be here. He's the player who clearly needs to develop over time. And Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, who's signed, you know, Alshon, we'll see what happens. But if it winds up being, you know, Deshaun, Greg Ward, and Arthaga Whiteside are your building blocks for hopefully drafting some really high end talent um, and maybe getting some people in free agency, then I think the Eagles have, have really been able to kind of rehab their their wide receiver room. But that's, that's really future kind of focus talk. I wanted to keep with the Giants game just a little bit longer, and then we'll turn to focus on the Seahawks game. Um, I thought that that the only touchdown that Carson threw to Josh Perkins uh that play was spectacular um, absolutely threw the ball pretty much completely across the field um again, I have to say he looked completely calm doing it. He never looked like he was rushed, he never looked um you know like he was indecisive about what he was going to do. He worked to one side of the field, there was nothing there. he turned around and threw it back the other way um and it was just really impressive to see his patience in in a moment that was kind of tense.
0: Yeah. I like, I like what um, I saw a breakdown, Doug describing that play and it, it's a design rollout uh, of the pocket, which, you know, I, I
1: think I saw, I think I saw this video.
0: It, it, it just is. Um, it seems like it's that type of, um, you know, play call where you're getting Carson on the move outside of the pocket that yeah, he looks so comfortable doing that keeping his eyes down the field. Um, I, I would like, you know, outside of what we do, I, you know, I, I think that's a great uh, thing that Carson's able to do is be really accurate outside of the pocket. And, um, you know, someone that defenders just, it it makes it, it makes a whole new game for defenders.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I think as, um, as we talk about, you know, plays that came out in the game, I think that one really stood out because it was just so orchestrated by Carson. But to me, you can't come away from that game not impressed with Boston Scott, who won NFC East Offensive Player or sorry NFC Offensive Player of the Week um, with his performance. Three touchdowns, uh, caught the ball a ton. He just he's just a fun guy to watch. Uh, he clearly brings a spark. He absolutely jukes people which is fun just you know as a um yeah fan just to see a running back do that i really i'm gonna put boston scott in the same category as greg ward in that i think he deserves a shot i think this guy has come up he's been clutch and miles sanders leaves the game and we're gonna touch on miles sanders in a little bit because some other things have come out about his his injury (laughs) he left the game with an injury and instead of doug turning to jordan howard who they had a lot of success with early in the year just coming off injury he basically just says, okay, Boston Scott's going to be the guy. And he goes for three touchdowns, a ton of yards, you know, catching passes and running and, and he looks good doing it. And it's, it's fun to watch from a viewing experience. So he's an easy guy to root for. Um, do you kind of see it the same way with him that he would be a guy who might stick future wise?
0: Absolutely. Um, I You know, there's a lot of parallels to Scott to kind of just how they cycle through players up in new England, you know, Yes, you agree with that. You have a guy who maybe is looked at as like a utility player, uh, running back. Um, Pace is due on the practice squad, but he's super fun to watch. I mean, you know, he can really play and score some points. So I'm really excited. Simon Simon agrees. (laughs) He sure does. He's a Scott
1: fan. He's a big Boston Scott fan. Um, Yeah, I I think, to be honest with you, the Eagles. have really found something in this guy that is Sproles-like. I mean, this guy has that same – He he's not exactly the same kind of player. I mean, he's built very similarly, but you can use him in a lot of the same ways. Um, and he's just been an exciting guy to watch. He's a very humble kid. He's a guitar player, by the way, I found out. Is he really? Um, yeah, he was in, like, church bands growing up. So he's just an interesting story. He's a very humble guy. He's an easy guy to root for. Um, and I think it really says something about him because Doug was so reliant on the run that he said Boston's going to take every single carry uh, beyond – Miles Sanders leaving the game. I think in like the second quarter. Does that sound right? It was early.
0: Yeah, I, and plus there was also another um, kind of development during the game. He fumbled the ball on the opening kickoff. Yes, he did. And and he didn't get much playing time uh, after until that. Sanders went out until Sanders went out, and then Doug really just said, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna lean on Scott." And he, you know, he carried the load and did did an amazing job. Could also speak to the current health status of Jordan Howard. Um, I know we were talking about this offline the other day. Yeah, um, but you know, maybe maybe it's just one of those things where you want to save Howard a little bit, rest him up a little more. Well, um, I didn't
1: plan to. I didn't plan to go into this, but you know, Boston Scott's playing extremely well, and yesterday, uh, the Eagles signed off of the practice squad of the Panthers a guy named Elijah Holyfield. Now. <laughs> That name should be familiar because his dad is Evander Holyfield, famous boxer. Uh, Elijah Holyfield was uh, running back at Georgia, who was pretty productive while he was there. He's not a fast guy, but more like a big, tough uh, bowling ball type of a guy. I think he's like 5'10", maybe 220. Um, And the Eagles signed him yesterday off of the uh, Panthers practice squad. I I would not be surprised at all if he maybe got a carry in this game. Um, They seem to be working with this youth movement um, in a way that, you know, I, I'm not saying he's going to become a key part of the offense, but they're working with these young players who are hungry and want to make plays and are uh, willing to learn and willing to get integrated. And I could I could see that becoming uh, kind of, um, you know, an attitude of of the Eagles as they move forward, that, you know, younger guys who are a little bit hungrier and want to work and want to work with Carson and all that sort of stuff, that maybe maybe they kind of lean that way when looking to acquire certain players, I I still think, you know, talent is, is the most important thing, but, um, it's just kind of an interesting move on their part at this point, at this point with,
0: uh, Jordan Howard in his situation, I feel like it could, it could be them hedging their bets too. not sure. Um, exactly what the health of Howard and Sanders, uh, the two of them together going the rest of the way. So they like this, they like this kid. um, Holy field, they bring him in and they have him available if they need to use them
1: and it'd be really interesting if they did and he was successful because Jordan Howard was also successful in this offense but this injury to Jordan Howard for whatever it is it clearly wasn't a stinger it went on way too long he missed I think six games yeah it's it's one of those things where he had a good thing going but for whatever reason this injury uh, which he wasn't an often injured guy in his career before this it really kind of torpedoed his season in in my
0: eyes Absolutely. And it it really um at the same at the same time um pushed forward Miles Sanders' development and you know the player that we think of him now compared to what we thought of him earlier in the season. Um I think there's a lot of fans that have a lot more faith that Sanders can um be the, be that guy and surround him with, you know, somebody like Boston Scott. It's been really fun to watch the two of them on the field together. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, how these other running backs get incorporated into the offense as you know, in the playoffs. And Sanders continues to look like a weapon. I mean, that guy
1: really in these last, I mean, the beginning of the year, there were still flashes here and there, obviously the Buffalo game. He had that first really long run. Um, Miles Sanders has, has become one of the most impressive uh, Eagles rookies I can remember for a long time. Um, he 's very fun to watch. One thing that really strikes me is he has multiple plays a game where he he hits the hole and just gets one or two yards but that 's not something he was doing in the beginning of the year. Instead, he was trying to bounce it to the outside and losing even more yardage and yep. now because he 's doing that time and time again he 's getting those you know maybe the third or fourth time through he 's getting a little bit of a hole and he 's ripping off you know a twenty yard run i mean Right. I, this is something worth looking up, but I want to say for the last at least five or six games, he's had a run of at least 15 yards. Um, so that consistency and the maturity that he's kind of showing and the team leaning on him. Um, I think Miles Sanders is maybe one of Howie's best draft picks ever. I mean, this guy really is, is impressive
0: to watch and Carson loves playing with him. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing how, um, the dialogue changes over the course of the season because people were really hating on Howie early, and maybe he mismanaged um, this, you know, the receivers going into this year. And now we're seeing him kind of get saved by the emergence of the practice squad people. Um, but Sanders is one hell of a pick. I hope he becomes, you know, a huge staple here in Philly for for a while. Me too, man. And he's just an exciting guy to watch. And we'll, we'll touch on his injury
1: in a second. And obviously uh, Mike and I were just trying to remember back. Let's just say it was midway through the second quarter. And I don't remember um, for sure, but when he left the game, he was um, nine for 52. Uh, He had a couple catches as well. I mean, he really, he's making plays. He's a productive player and he's a flashy player. Um, And that part of his game, I didn't really see in the beginning uh, where now he's got a certain confidence where It's not shady, but when Howie made that comparison, that it's shady-like in terms of what he's able to uh, do with seeing a hole, hitting a hole, and then maybe even being able to burst past people. I don't think that he's a guy who can really juke people out of their shoes yet. Um, I think he's more somebody who's going to run past you. But I think moving forward, that's something I'd like to see kind of emerge from his game. But he's been a major bright spot for this year. That and Carson making it through all these... Um, regular season games, I think, are the two things that you can really hang your hat on moving forward.
0: Absolutely. He's been a big part of it, no question. Yeah. Um, let's let's
1: just break for a second from Miles. We're going to go back to him when we talk about injuries, which are uh, kind of prevalent at this point, unfortunately, for the Eagles. But I, I just want to ask you like a hypothetical question because of the way that this particular player uh, performed in the game against the Giants last week. Do you think two years ago, Howie went down to Doug's office and he knocks on the door and he's like, Hey, Doug, I just want to know, man, like if you, if you could have anything for the offense, what would you want? And Doug was like, well, I mean, can you clone Zach Ertz? And then, and Howie was like, let's see if we can do that through the draft. And I think that's what they did with Goddard. I do think Goddard Dallas Goddard is a a different player in terms of his skill set, his build, uh, kind of the way he runs after the catch, which he seems to have a little bit more of an edge in that category over Ertz. But yeah, um, to me, that was such a great move on Howie's part to, to have a all pro pro bowl tight end in Zach Hertz and say, let's back this guy up with somebody who's just as good in a, a another option. And the goal was 12 personnel and being able to have them both on the field at the same time. But since right. he's been injured, uh this has been a big windfall, I think for Dallas Goddard who really had some bad drops earlier this year. And that's not something he was ever known for in college. I think he only had like a handful over his whole college career. So you Know he had a kind of a rocky start to his year, but he's become the tight end that that that, um, sorry, Carson Wentz is looking for, especially on third downs. That third down play, I believe it was a 14 yard pass. I, I, as soon as it left Carson Wentz's hand, it was like, What is he doing? Because it looked like he just popped it to the sideline,
0: and it that's did, but
1: exactly he did. And uh, Goddard was able to come down, get both feet down, and really look like a pro doing it, you know. again. Um, there's a certain ease that's going on with the Eagles offense that I think as fans,
0: we've been wanting to see all year long, but it's only really emerged in these last couple of weeks. Um, Absolutely. You, you, you probably hit it right on the head. Um, that was probably a conversation between Doug and Howie about what's your, you know, what's the priority for you. And he's, you know, might've said clone hurts. Goddard has been, the fact that Ertz can go down with an injury and that that whole aspect of our game can just remain exactly the same, mm-hmm. and and Goddard's ability to produce just as much as Ertz, and um, I will agree that they there are differences in their uh, playing styles, but they're able you're able to really swap one in for another in terms of productivity, um, and that's been huge for the Eagles. Yeah, and what was really funny about. Um... The
1: game against the Cowboys a couple of weeks ago, Mike and I were watching the game together um, over at my house, and there was a play to Zach Ertz, <coughs> excuse me, um, over the middle. This was before his injury, um, or actually, I don't know, it may have been the play he got injured on, if I'm not mistaken. But um, Carson Wentz throws it up, Zach Ertz goes up, makes makes the catch, or or maybe it was an incomplete pass. And it was on a big play. I think it was actually an incomplete now that I'm thinking back. It was on the first drive, and they wound up kicking a field goal instead. And Mike and I were just watching the broadcast, and we saw uh, Josh McCown, the Eagles backup, walk over to Doug Peterson and say something. And then I saw Doug, just through lip reading, say, let's go with Dallas. Let's do that same play with Dallas. Mm-hmm. So later in that game against the Cowboys, they ran a very similar play, and Dallas Goddard was in in, in uh, place of Zach Ertz, who had been – injured earlier in the game and they were able to score a touchdown on it. And Goddard being a little bit physically bigger, that pass was up in the air. He got you know got up in the air and got it. Um
0: I'm even I, pretty sure that after we kicked that field goal, and that was a great uh read by you, um looking reading the lips um of McCown, and it was the next series. The Eagles got down to the red zone and Carson threw that same route, ball over the middle to Goddard for a touchdown. And yep. it was, it, it, it was literally sequential like that. It was a, a missed opportunity at a TD, kicked a field goal, next series touchdown Goddard, just like you called it. It's pretty great, man. It, it, was, it was really,
1: I mean, it was just such a, a, a wild series of, of events. And, and just to hit on what you just said about the red zone, I, I found this just staggering. But when I really think about it, despite everything this year, it's true. The Eagles are the number one red zone offense in the league in terms of scoring. That's hilarious. In terms of like percentage
0: chance to score when entering the red zone, um, it's it's hilarious to me. Have we just not been in the red zone that often? Why does it feel like that does not be the case? Well, it's it's kind of.
1: I wonder if it's a byproduct, honestly, of first of all scoring in the red zone. I don't know if that also constitutes just field goals. I think it you does. Know, I, I would think it captures everything like it's an aggregate. Um, part of it to me and I'm just kind of thinking off top here is so many times, either because of bobbled punts or, um, you know, a good punt by the by the uh, opposing punter, whatever it was that we had poor field position to start the drive and the Eagles are having to go almost the length of the field without a player that can really stretch the field uh, in order to score. And by the time they get down there, that it is a pretty sure thing because they've kind of worn the defense down. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I think that's an interesting stat given the viewing experience for the fan this year Um,
0: yeah and i also um so that's just my gut reaction is uh i would imagine it would be a different team other than the eagles but i guess it is a good reality check to know that a lot of teams make it into the red zone and don't score and our defense is a really great example of a of a, a team That allows yards allows movement on them. But when it comes when they get pushed up against that goal line, they typically are able to shut it down, which is uh, something that we get into saying when Chris and I watch games together, we'll even get uh, his wife Julie involved in uh, shutting it down because what every fan does while watching a game makes an impact on what happens in that game.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think uh, the defense is something that we'll hit on in a little bit, but I thought you made some, some good points there. Let's, let's stick a little bit with um, now that we mentioned Goddard, the injuries uh, from this past game, we'll talk a little bit about Doug. Um, We'll get to the defense and then we'll start to talk about the Seattle game, which will be a lot of projective talk because the the injuries have, have really left the Eagles in a much different state than they were. Having said that before we even go there. I did watch some clips uh, I believe it was last night um, of the Eagles first game this year which was I believe five weeks ago against the Seahawks and they just look like such a different team than the team we've been watching the last few weeks. They're just kind of sluggish and disconnected and it's just so different from what we've been seeing and it's really striking to watch it. But um, let's talk a little bit about the the Seahawks. Yeah this was the game the Eagles uh, played against the Seahawks at home. The Eagles were at home um, and I think they lost 17-9. to nine. Um, and just It watched was a terrible quits. game. It was a terrible game. It was a bad weather day. The Eagles didn't come out, really. The defense played all right, but the offense couldn't produce. Um,
0: and the offense really was just a struggle to watch. They really were. And that, that, that it's game, such a difference. I, it, was really that, it was really that game that afterwards I was just like, right, you know what? This is where you throw the talent on a season. Because our offense couldn't move the ball. And – Seattle played so terribly, and um, they still uh, beat us. It was just like, well, clearly something's wrong. We're not going to do anything this year, and uh, and that you know that's yeah, it's it's made the season uh, interesting because there's been so many parts to it. Well, and I thought Wilson in particular had such a poor
1: game. I was so surprised that it wound up, you know, the result that it did, and the fact that the Eagles just, like I said, just could not produce at all on offense. They were just completely anemic. And for what we've been seeing the last few weeks, which they look confident, they're kind of fluently moving the ball, sometimes on really long drives. It was just so different. I mean, they would, you know, start the ball, same thing deep in their own end and go three and out over and over and over again. Um, so it's, it's really such a different team from what we've been seeing the last, um, uh, these last four games that they had to win to get to the postseason.
0: Yeah, uh, I I imagine, you know, Russell Wilson, the player that he is, he's not he's not going to he's going to come much more ready to play uh, this week. He's not going to uh, miss the receivers like he did in that game five weeks ago. Um, so, you know, I think overall, this is a much better, much better game on both teams parts.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Mike. I think you you really can't take for granted the fact that he had an off day and that's just uncharacteristic of him and that we can't really rely on that kind of thing happening this Sunday, despite the fact that they're traveling across the country and, and all the other factors in consideration. So yep. uh, I think you're absolutely right. They, they're not a team to be slept on. Um, their defense is not even close to what it was when they won the Super Bowl and when the Seahawks were really at the height of their uh, power with the Legion of Boom and everything, but – uh, their offense still has some weapons uh, in particular. I thought Russell Wilson didn't have a great game, but DK Metcalf, who a lot of people wanted the Eagles to take over JJR, Arcega-Whiteside, um, had a couple big catches, but actually dropped a couple really big catches. And I think some of those things are probably at this point in the season, uh, things that they're looking to clean up. And when they look at the old tape of the Eagles and Seahawks from five weeks ago, I'm sure that's something the Seahawks are emphasizing this week. So we, um, As far as the weather is concerned for, for Sunday, I think that'll play a factor in the past game, but yeah, you really can't, you really can't uh, rely on them to make mistakes. Let's talk about some of these injuries. Um, yeah, let's let's start, let's start with Miles Sanders. We had brought him up earlier. Um, as I said, he looked really good for the time that he was in left in the second quarter with an ankle injury. Uh, it was a little bit unclear. Um, I do a lot of listening to Eagles podcasts and, uh, seeking out information about his injury, any kind of insider stuff, but, um, It's undisclosed what the nature of the ankle injury is at this point. He did not practice yesterday, Wednesday, and he did not practice today, Thursday. Uh, Truthfully, in a little bit of uh, social media snooping, uh, following him on Instagram, he was walking down the ramp that the players walk up to get into the locker room, uh, welcoming the players as they came off the field, holding up the East is not enough. uh, NFC East uh, division champion shirts and, you know, not jumping up and down, but I mean, He looked fine, uh, to be honest with you, just from my eye. And I saw Kelsey walk up to him in the video um, and say, You know, are you good? Are you good? And he said, Yeah, I'll be good. I'll be good. So, you know, a little bit of a, you know,
0: was this the video when they were uh, dancing in the locker room after the game? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, what a great video.
1: Truthfully, um, that combined with uh, something yesterday on, I don't know if it was on Quick Slants or just something I, I had heard or seen on Twitter. Um, That he, Miles Sanders was seen walking to, um, was seen walking after the game, leaving the locker room and he didn't have ice on. He didn't have a brace on. He wasn't hobbling. So I think, I think this is preventative. I really think he got a little banged up that he's such a valuable part of the offense at this point that Doug wanted to play it conservatively in the rest of the Giants game. And luckily Boston Scott picked it up and, um, and made up the difference and then some, Yep. But I I'm going to tell you right now, it's my bet based on all that information I, I just kind of just put out there and, and all of it just kind of from various media outlets that I do think Miles Sanders is going to play on Sunday. I do think something's going on. I think he probably has some swelling or he rolled his ankle or something like that. But I do think uh, by Sunday, the hope is that the swelling will start to go down and he'll be able to to get onto it on
0: Sunday and, and make some plays. That's good. That's good. Recon by you, Chris. I I I hope I hope he's able to be out there uh, from just the general feeling of watching the news cycles this week. I think he's probably going to get into this game could be a little banged up, like you said, but it's the, this is the biggest game that he'll have played in to, in his career so far, so he's going to be ready to go. He
1: is, and, and he is in that position, I agree. And he's somebody who said, you know, I, I played in front of 100,000 people at Penn State, that part of it, you know, doesn't faze me. And he really does seem like a balanced kind of a guy. He doesn't seem like he's, um, you know, too um, egotistical or, or too... Um, kind of as a young player might be too naive or whatever. He seems very mature. So I think he'll be able to handle the moment. Uh, It's really just a matter of his health. Uh, And and we'll hope that that he's able to be a contributor because I think if he can add on to what Boston Scott comes off of this last game against the Giants doing, um, and maybe the Eagles do wind up mixing in either Holyfield, the new acquisition, or Jordan Howard, I think the Eagles have a really threatening run game. And Something we need to talk about in the offseason is the fact that they have completely reconstructed that one year. Uh, yeah. And that's really, really impressive for where they were uh, last year with like Wendell Smallwood and Josh Adams. and Absolutely. So, a player who will not be returning, unfortunately, is Brandon Brooks. And I got to tell you, dude, I really feel for this guy. Mostly oh, big He came back way sooner than anybody expected off of an ACL. No, sorry, an Achilles tear, I believe. Uh, was it? Last year. Okay. I think it was. I'll have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't Achilles. Um, no one expected him to make it back for the first game. He made it back for the first game. Uh, he did have limited snaps that game cause they were trying to, uh, just kind of ease him back in, but a great, um, just a great presence in the locker room. Clearly a great player. When you watch the tape, you know, that's really where you're going to see a guard kind of stick out, but he absolutely mashes people, him and Lane when they're both playing together. Um, yeah. And he made the Pro Bowl this year, obviously, Um, probably, you know, an all pro season and graded really high all all year long. So he um, is also kind of an inspiring story because of the anxiety stuff. And I don't know how much, you know, you've read about that, Mike. I'm sure you're aware of it. Um, But he's, you know, been subject to panic attacks and things like that before because he has an anxiety disorder and he's been very open about it. And uh, so you just kind of root for the guy.
0: Um, you do you do and and he and wound
1: up i was just gonna finalize by saying he he wound up in this game uh on a point after touch i think it was the point after touchdown um, yep. if i'm not mistaken he separated his shoulder and immediately uh it looked bad they brought the card out and several people were trying to stabilize his elbow and his upper arm and all that to um hopefully to keep it intact before they had to bind it up but um it's a just unfortunate series of events for him, but I am glad for him that he made it through all 16 games. Um, he didn't make it all the way through the last one, but he started uh, in all 16 games this year for a guy who tore his ACL last year. And, you know, separated shoulder is a big injury, and he'll, he'll have the off season to recover from that. But
0: unfortunately, the Eagles will be without his services uh, through this playoff run. Yeah, that, and, it's, and it's a big loss. And sometimes players on the offensive line um, – them going down it's a little more unnoticed uh, since if you don't hear their name called they're probably doing a good job true if, if you are hearing their name called there's probably something wrong going on and that side of the line this whole year um, him and Lane really just did some some work and it was it, it's been you know there's been a couple off games and I, I think he did miss did he not miss uh, one game earlier this year to uh, anxiety yeah I don't um,
1: recall which game it was to be honest, but I, I do remember he missed one this year. And I think he missed one the first year. The Eagles traded for him uh from yeah, I think Houston. Uh back in twenty sixteen <laughs> in Doug's first year. Yeah, I think you're right. And that was and, and he had one episode of it back then. Uh, I think it was just one game that he was kept out of, but he will absolutely be missed. And he's a guy that the Eagles extended uh this year um and Mike and I can look into the contract details. That'll be all be um, part of what I think Mike and I are planning to do in the off season uh, is still provide at least maybe a weekly or a biweekly episode uh, just to provide some content and evaluate where things are going to go. Uh, but luckily for us, the Eagles still have a little bit to play. So a couple more injuries to hit on actually just one more main one. Um, and that was Avante Maddox. And he left the game uh, on a couple of different occasions. Um, and what I thought was interesting, you see left, came back and made a great play uh, and then left again. And he had been playing really well before he was injured at all. So um, he's somebody that it seems like he's going to play uh, this Sunday against the Seahawks. But um, he you know, clearly had mm-hmm. an injury earlier in the season where he had to be kind of uh, taken out in a gurney to a hospital because of a neck and head injury, and he was unconscious for a time. Excuse me. So there's concern around him as a a player who's been banged up this year, but he seems like he's somebody who's going to play at one point. Just the last thing about injuries to touch on, I think from this game that was worth mentioning is that at at one point in the game, the blue medical tent that pops up on the sideline had a line to get into it because there were so many Eagles injured. I believe Brandon Graham was uh, waiting in that line. So it just got to a kind of a ridiculous point. um, But several of these players, um, left the game brandon graham avante maddox included and then came back um so i think that really speaks to in a lot of ways uh the next topic which is that doug has really shown what he's worth in these last four weeks um i think there's been times the rest of the season where it's flashed but doug has had up until these four games i think kind of an inconsistent
0: up and down sort of a year I, i don't know how you feel about it no i i i think you're right um the team looks like they're in much better position to make plays. And it looks like, it looks like Doug is, um, is kind of, one thing we said at the very beginning of the season was Doug's advice to Carson was let, let the offense work for you and don't try to. And I think that same mentality can apply to Doug and what he's doing. And he's really good about being, um, a leader in a community of other leaders and distributing responsibility to his different coaches and players and letting
1: everybody. the leadership utilize... council. I think it's called, it's like Brandon Graham and Malcolm and Carson and
0: the, the leadership chemical right. that he uses amongst the players. Yeah.
1: I think he leans on those things. And I think that's part of what makes Doug special.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, one of, one of my favorite, um, quotes from doug from this year was after this last uh win to take the nfc east first question in his press conference i i forget what the question was but yes he just responds yes i and he remember says, this guy he's like do you like to dance yeah. johnny <laughs> no
1: it was uh i believe it was howard asking and he goes you like to dance oh, that's, howard, howard? that's what was going on back there we were dancing <laughs>
0: yeah and you know what that's that's awesome um, that is an environment that Doug is in charge of. He's cultivated it, and he's allowed his players to, um, you know, exp- be, th- be themselves out there. And it's fun to see as a fan that that kind of uh, you know environment and uh, culture exists on our team. And it's
1: it's got a sense I think that parallels what Carson must be feeling with the offense. It's got a sense of ownership where you know when Doug won the Super Bowl. Doug was still a pretty new coach. He was in his second year as a, as a head coach. He was playing with players that had been traded for him, free agency and trades like, um, you know, LeGarrette Blunt and Chris Long and Alshon Jeffrey, um, Torrey Smith, all these different people, Jai, all these different people that he was kind of bringing in guys who had been around the league. And they know that Doug's a new coach and he was able to lead those guys, allow them to be productive. Obviously they achieved the ultimate goal. And now in Doug's – so where does that leave us? Sorry, 16, 17, 18, 19. Fourth year, he's able to have this moment as somebody who's been through it as a head coach and knows what to expect. And these young guys who are making plays are really responding to him because they're seeing what he's got as a leader and as a, as a coach. And I think the same thing is going on with Carson. It's so a really – I don't know. I'm kind of just putting this together now, but it's a really interesting parallel.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, he's I think slowly slowly but surely uh given Carson more and more um leeway and responsibility to operate on his own and um it's less coaching and more trust. Yeah, and I, I think
1: I think that trust has been established through some of these late game losses to the Miami Dolphins or, you know, any of these other really big disappointments that have come. I think it's Doug's accomplishments, but I also think the bounce back from these really like rock bottom lows that the team has been through. I think that's really been what's proven
0: him um, to be the caliber of coach that he is. Um, Absolutely. Do you think he's in uh should be in contention for uh, coach of the year? A hundred percent. And I think he should have been on a couple of other occasions since the beginning
1: of his coaching tenure. Um, And I think this year, if not any, he should be uh, considered Uh, to add on to that and go back a little bit. I also think Miles Sanders, I don't think he'll win it, but I think he should be considered as the offensive rookie of the year Um, because he's just been so productive in, in so many facets of the game. But um, one more thing I wanted to hit on is something interesting. I thought Doug, Uh, kind of, you can tell a lot if you watch the press conference uh, because Doug is a very expressive body language person. I don't know how much he realizes that, but, uh, you know, we, I think we see it. Um, And if you've watched enough press conferences with him, you can tell if something uh, kind of stops him in his tracks or if he's not sure what to say, or if he's kind of fumbling for words or any of those sorts of things, just kind of listening and watching his uh, his mannerisms, but, or,
0: or just plain pissed off at the media. Yeah.
1: And, and, and if he's really pissed off, I feel like he does the lean on the, on the podium. The <laughs> yeah. lean.
0: He does. But, and he, um, he's real snippy in his remarks. They're quick and they're uh, they're not long.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's, he's taken that approach, you know, on a couple of occasions after some of these bad losses, but he's still there. He's still answering the questions. He's never walked out of a press conference. Um, you know, he has that kind of that, That presence, but he he did say uh, after a question was asked, I want to say, I want to say it was Bo Wolf of the Athletic, who I really love his work. Um, All the guys over there do an awesome job. Him, Zach Berman, and Shil Kapati, I read their stuff all the time, and they have a great Eagles podcast called Birds with Friends. Uh, I believe he asked Doug the question about why Jordan Howard and um, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside were underused in this game. And both of them, obviously Jordan Howard coming off this extended shoulder injury um, and J.J. having nursed a a kind of a foot injury that he had suffered in the Cowboys game, um, that Doug kind of answered by saying he was preserving those guys and that both of them were still coming off of injury and he wanted to kind of hold them out for that reason and uh, basically said, you know, we're running out of bodies, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. um, to me, I wanted to say if if Jordan Howard is able to come back and contribute, great. But as I said earlier, I'm not writing him off. But if his time as a productive Eagle is done, I'm satisfied with what I've seen from Jordan Howard. I don't necessarily want to resign him or extend his time here.
0: But if he's done, I guess what I'm saying is I'm all right with it. Yeah, I would be all right with that too. But um, you know, you never know what what's going to happen, and Eagles... you don't.
1: And the way this year's gone, that's especially true.
0: So, you know, Jordan Howard might not right away be written into the the script um, for, you know, beating the Seahawks, but you never know what's going to happen over the course of the game. And it could, you know, maybe a storyline will develop later on that Howard's return was, you know, so um, clutch. Wow. Um,
1: Hold on to that for when we do some uh, predictions in a minute here for the upcoming Seahawks game. But the other person he mentioned in that comment was J.J. Arthago whiteside So, JJ, I just want to touch on him for a second because I, I was excited when the Eagles got him. I had seen some of his college highlights. I actually watched one of the uh, games he played at Stanford and he really stood out to me. Um, he actually played on the team, uh, at one point, the, I think it was the year prior he was on the Stanford team that played Pitt in a pole, in a bowl game, excuse me, at the end of the year. And, uh, he stood out to me then. And I just thought, you know, this guy's absolutely going to the next level and is going to make plays. Um, He's been such an anomaly I feel like this year. He's had plays where he's been really flashy and I thought the beginning of the Cowboys game just as a recency uh piece those first two passes really clutch passes that happened were both to him. Um, both of them were hard catches, <laughs> excuse me, hard catches and both of them ones where Carson was kind of scrambling desperately looking for someone who was trying to get open and JJ was that guy. So it's it's interesting to see what's what's kind of come up here with his foot injury him not getting a chance to play in these last couple games. Um, and moving forward, if he'll be somebody that the Eagles try to use in the playoffs or if they will lean on these practice squad guys that they brought up and kind of shelf JJ
0: for next year. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I hope he has a big role in, the, in the playoffs. It'd be fun to kind of see the, uh, the development he's had over the course of this season, basically not playing in the first half to, uh, you know, we're starting to hear his name called a little more. So, you know, I'm wishing him the best. I'm rooting for that guy. Yeah, me too. And I I think he has
1: made, you know, the the one play I think from this year that will really stick out to me is on a third down play against the Giants when the Eagles played them uh, the first time, the first of these last four games that they had of the regular season. Um, They played the Giants on Monday night at home. And the Eagles on a third down, uh, Carson Wentz threw a sideline fade and J.J. caught it over his shoulder, falling down. It was a very impressive catch. Um, yeah. It was on a third-down play where he was actually held, so he didn't even really need to make the catch, but he made it anyway. And that, combined with some of these plays against the Cowboys, he's done some things that show me that he has something. I just think he may be he may be in that category where Doug says, you know what, if we can get him in here or there, fine, but if he winds up being a guy that we say, let's put him on the shelf and really develop him for next year, I could see that scenario too.
0: Sure. Absolutely. At this point,
1: uh, you know, uh, every guy counts Though Every guy counts. That's absolutely true. They they're not in a position where they they can afford any more injuries to key players or key players being out for any extended period. But let's get on the defense a little bit and then we're going to get to the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just going to kind of go down the list here and just say the following players have stepped up immensely, uh, particularly in the last four weeks. And I'm starting I'm kind of putting this in an order. Uh, it's not exactly the order I wrote it out in, Mike, in the agenda, but I'll put Brendan Graham first. Brandon Graham, every time I watch an Eagles game, he's constantly flashing on the screen. He's always making plays. He's extremely active. Um I know that's uh, your and my guy. We both love him. Um he doesn't appear uh to be eligible to make the uh ten sacks uh that he hoped for, obviously after this uh situation with you know his he had kind of clusters of sacks throughout the year. And I think he wound up, I'll have to look to be sure, but he might have wound up with eight and a half total. Uh, and I know it okay. was double digits. Um, but he had an epic sack in that uh, Cowboys game where he just, or I'm sorry, in that Giants game where he just absolutely rocked Daniel Jones, just came up and just absolutely flattened him uh, and got, had some speed behind him doing it. That was fun to watch.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, he's one of those players that always seems to be in the clutch moments of clutch games and continues to do that. Seems like a great guy on and off the field and, you know, just part of a part of an already stellar defensive line. And, you know, maybe we should talk about uh, Jernigan's emergence um, on the line this, um, especially in the last couple weeks. You know, what, what have you been seeing out of Jernigan? Yeah, I Jernigan to me this week especially
1: stopped literally, and I mean this, stopped Saquon Barkley with one hand.
0: On, That's a third down, on
1: a third down play. Do you know the play I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, I do. It
1: was it was very impressive. And even the commentator, and I forget who did the game. I think it was um, Spielman and I forget. I forget who the commentator did. But they were like, that is extremely impressive. And he showed it from a couple angles. Uh, but I think Jernigan has really come back with some juice. He's a player who missed some time this year. He's another one of the guys who, among the many of Eagles players this 2019 regular season, who were injured. Um, but he made some big plays in that game. And I think he's a guy who, when he plays well... He's really a problem for defenses. I will actually lump, excuse me, him and BG together in the same category um, to say that both him and Brandon Graham are kind of agitators to a defense, to a point where they kind of wear them down. They're active players. They keep being active the whole game because of the way that Jim Schwartz rotates things. And, it gets the defenses to a point where they might not get it every time, but when they get it, they're gonna get there and they're gonna make a, a play at the right time. Um another guy who's yep. doing the same thing is is Fletcher Cox. I think Fletcher Cox was injured for at least half of the season. Uh like still m- moderately <laughs> injured, I'll say,
0: from the season prior. Um, because he's really coming We've seen, a, we've seen a, Yeah, we've we've seen him come on a lot the second half of the year and just being that disruptive force in the middle, uh, you know, blowing up um guards centers getting into the backfield Uh, and last week we probably saw him um, with his biggest play of the season recovering the fumble forced by Malcolm Jenkins but as soon as that uh, ball got on the ground you saw Fletcher kind of get another uh, gear going yeah able to out muscle -muscle, yeah several um, players on the Giants and control that ball and you know he, he actually grabbed it with his hands pretty pretty well it was um fletcher has some skill to him and i i really wanted him to get a touchdown there i thought um, it was
1: that's what that's what i was about to ask you like i for all, like while i was watching it i was i don't know i was kind of cheering like they scored a touchdown. i didn't see anybody touch him but i guess maybe one of the giants had a leg on him or something like that when he actually recovered the ball and that, that yeah made him down, but it was just such an exciting play at a, at a time in the game where you really wanted to see the defense make something happen, and they made something happen in a big way. Truthfully, I think Jim Schwartz, throughout his time as the Eagles defensive coordinator, has really rattled a lot of rookie quarterbacks, and, and some of them have still done their damage, but he's yeah. somebody who consistently has shown that the maturity of you know him having been a head coach and knowing defensive schemes probably going back a long time, um, that he can kind of throw things at them that they're just, just not ready for. But uh, Very true. But anyway, let's move on a little bit. Malcolm is another player. Uh, managed to play every single defensive snap in the 2019, and I believe also the 2018 season, if I'm not mistaken. Is that true? Yeah, but he had the big play that you just mentioned, the strip sack on Daniel Jones uh, in this game. And he's just been making plays all over. He had a big third down play where he broke up a pass um he's just a leader Malcolm Jenkins is just a leader and uh right at his side is Rodney McLeod who I think has kind of quietly had a nice season this year I I don't know and this is the stuff of another podcast for another time if Rodney McLeod will be somebody that the Eagles rely on moving forward or if they try to just draft somebody and and replace him but he has quietly in my opinion had uh, a nice season
0: not a great I, season but a nice season he's made some big plays I agree with you um there have been our secondary was getting torn up to shreds uh, a little earlier on in the season, and I can't remember if McLeod had any injury problems or missed some games. But but you're right, the you know the while we've been on this win streak, I think you see a different um, we're seeing a different level of play out of out of the two of them, two safeties on our on our squad, and you know the fact that. I think McLeod's come up with a couple interceptions. He's just, he's, he's a solid player. And again, I don't know where he'll be in our future. Obviously, we have a big decision on what to do with our safeties um, in the next year or two. Yeah, you know, they um, really
1: do. And I think that's a position that the Eagles have always valued in Brian Dawkins. And, you know, going back um, even before him, the Eagles have shown that they value the safety position. And Rodney McLeod is a, also an aging player and they might want to bring somebody in because they, you know, Malcolm is kind of the, the um, the elder statesman in that situation. But it'll be interesting to see moving forward. But as far as the the outside corners, uh, because of injuries to Jalen Mills, who didn't play in the game against the Giants, uh, and also to Ronald Darby, which was a uh, season ending, I think it was a hip or something. I don't remember exactly what his injury was. Um, but uh, Razul Douglas, Sidney Jones, Avante Maddox, Craven LeBlanc um, have all stepped up. I would say the most questionable of those has been Razul. He's been beat many times and his long speed, I think is really starting to show as, as a problem. Um, But he still has made some big plays um, and he's still in a, in a few situations been able to come up. Sydney to me is somebody I wanted to ask you about. Do you think the Eagles spent a second round pick on Sydney Jones? Do you think you've seen not enough? That's not right because there's not enough of a sample size, but do you think these plays that he's made, do you think that they are beginning to, not completely, but beginning to kind of rewrite the narrative on Sidney Jones a little bit? These couple of clutch plays he's
0: made at the end of the games against the Cowboys excuse yeah. me, and the Giants. I'm, I think from the standpoint of just looking at his play this year um, and, what he's, and the role that he's going to have going forward uh, the rest of the season, it has to have had a major impact on – on him, uh, just at him as a player in terms of um, getting momentum going where he can kind of align, you know, the talk of, I view myself as a, uh, as a, sh- as an NFL uh, cornerback and then being able to go on the field and making that happen. And because of that, I think that's only going to benefit him in terms of his preparation from week to week. And maybe maybe, you know, it won't be a huge jump where you see him starting and being a shutdown corner, but, you know, I'm hoping he can, you know, keep building on that. And I think he wants to, and it's a good sign that he's been able to make those plays because, you know, that, that ultimately is what we want to see out of him. The rest, the rest of this season is be able to go in games in big situations. Uh, you know, one of our starters might be down or need, need a breath and he's able to come in and and make a play like that yeah and he he really has
1: a like a massive stage to prove it on Um, he does and and i think they're in a position now where you know if he can as i kind of said before if he can rewrite or just start to kind of reinvent his presence in the eagles defensive backfield and all of a sudden he becomes a player i think the eagles will really reflect differently when people think about their their ability to draft players with some of these guys who have kind of come on late. And, you know, Sidney Jones is also somebody who battled multiple injuries, but clearly was a first-round talent. It just he fell into the second round, and that's where the Eagles took him kind of on his reputation. Um, I think we're starting to see a little bit of that reputation. Honestly, I think this is the real Sidney Jones. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to overdo it but i do think that even if the eagles move on from sidney jones i think he's a player who'll stick in the league i think he had some bad injuries coming off of that uh incident that happened when he was doing his his pro workout day um but he was able yep. to make big play, big plays in big moments and even in watching some of the highlight clips he is absolutely neck and neck with every receiver that he's on he's he never seems to step behind he's fast he's he's got this ability to get his hands in the way or get himself in the way. Um, Sometimes I wish he'd turn around and catch the ball, but, um, but anyway, he, he's somebody I think will be interesting to see how he performs. Avante Maddox to me is on the cusp and I'll I'll preview this a little bit, but I think he's on the cusp of doing uh, something really great. I think he's really on the cusp of making a great play. uh, That's very impactful for this season. It could happen in this game. We'll see. uh, But this upcoming game against the Seahawks, that is, but he's been flying all over the field, kind of like what I was saying about Brandon Graham earlier, where I just think he's just really shown himself these
0: last uh, these last few weeks, despite leaving the game on a couple of occasions for injury. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I'd love to see Avante. He's been a hell of a player and I could I could see that. Are you, are you thinking maybe an interception? You know, we're let's let's table that
1: for a second, um, because we're gonna get to the, the opponents. Uh and I wanted to just touch on one more person and I, I, that's Craven. Sure. Uh, last season you and I referred to him as Craig Craig. Um and he do you remember that?
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Craig
1: Craig. Craig. So to me, he has had multiple opportunities in the games that he's been in. Now he was injured, I believe, in training camp. And then was brought back in within these last four games of the year, maybe five games of the year. I'll have to double. Yeah, I mean, it's now. only
0: been recently that we've been hearing his name called, and he's producing well just like he was last year. He's so swapping he's
1: passes, there. and in particular in this game, this last game, sorry, against the Giants, Saquon gets the ball in the backfield on a pitch, and he's one-on-one with Craven <sighs> LeBlanc, who's a built guy, but nothing compared to Saquon. And and Trayvon levels him, gets him. Uh, down and way behind the line of scrimmage. And it was a clutch play at a clutch time. Um, so he's stepped up in moments where he has been the, the image I have of Crave on playing is like him being one-on-one with somebody and him making the play instead of being like, Oh, he's going to get beat. He actually does make the play. Um, and he certainly right. did against Saquon Barkley this past weekend. So, all right, let's, let's roll on a little bit. And we're going to talk about this game upcoming against the Seahawks. So, first of all, Mike, what's your what's your gut feel? Today is Thursday. It's about 6.30. What's your gut feel on this game? The Eagles are hosting the Seahawks, 4.40 start. Um, the Eagles lost to the Seahawks, hosting them again just five weeks ago, uh, probably end of November uh, or beginning of December. And they, no, sorry, it was end of November. And they managed to hold the Seahawks offense on a bad day from Russell Wilson to 17 points. I think it was 17 to nine
0: was the final score. What's your, what's your feel? like your, your gut feel on this game right now. I mean, my gut feels that this is going to be a little bit of a, of a higher scoring game and could be somewhat of a shootout. I just, I think Russell Wilson is too elusive in the pocket and, um, a primetime player that he's going to, you know, be able to make the plays that he does in all the big games he plays in. And um, they're going to put some points up on the board on us. Um, But I think the Eagles are going to be able to respond um, with a, a big offensive performance to match that. I don't, I don't know if that's how you're leaning.
1: Well, something that's really
0: struck me and we'll get
1: into like kind of the strategy of the game, but something that's really struck me about, Um, Russell Wilson is his ability to make something from nothing where like last Sunday, you know, in a Sunday night game, they were down 13 nothing to the San Francisco 49ers and Russell just flipped the switch and just started making plays with his receivers and um, they almost won that game. So he's somebody, I think he doesn't have a lot of off days. The Eagles managed to catch him on one and still lost (laughs) uh, five weeks ago. So Mm -hmm. I think he's somebody who's constantly, you know, uh, a threat. I think he's a threat in a lot of different ways. And I think if he finds that for whatever reason, the receivers aren't doing it, he's just going to start to run on you. Um, And then if he starts to do that and he's able to gain some yardage, that can really become a a problematic thing for the Eagles defense uh, because it just becomes a threat the rest of the game that they have to then plan for. But I I really think that it's going to be interesting to see what Russell Wilson is able to do on the road in a playoff atmosphere. Um, The Seahawks on the road, somebody said this on the radio today are historically pretty poor. Um, okay. playing road playoff games. Um, the other factor is the recent re-signing of Marshawn Lynch, Beast Mode. Um, yeah. And uh, his level of contribution to the game, as the Eagles have been a pretty solid run defense, but gave up a 70-yard touchdown or 65-yard touchdown to Saquon Barkley last week. I don't remember exactly. Um, but I don't think we
0: need to worry about uh... – Marshawn Lynch going doing doing that on. I think think he's
1: at a point to be honest with you, where even just seeing him, you know, the little that I did, he he looks older, and he is. He looks older and a little bit slower. So you know, I think the Eagles will be able to figure out if he's on the field that either he's you know a decoy or he's going to get the ball in kind of short yarded situations. But I think I think those two are a threat. The other thing I'm really curious to see is that you know the last time uh, the Eagles played. The Seahawks, uh, as I said, just five weeks ago, Jadavian Clowney did not play. Uh, he was nursing some kind of an injury, so he's going to play in this game um, and probably look to put some pressure on uh, Jason Peters as well as uh, Vitai uh, if Lane Johnson is not able to go. So Jadavian Clowney really put a hurt in yeah, Nick the... last year uh, in a game right before uh, the playoffs, and he he can be very disruptive. So it'll be interesting to see how the Eagles uh, manage those three factors. I think if they're able to, to contain those three factors, then they'll probably uh, win this game. The other thing is that Pete Carroll as a coach makes some really dumb decisions. Um, sometimes. He can. Yeah. And I think Doug is capable of the same thing, but I think on the road in Philadelphia, I think the Seahawks are, are really, I think they're really kind of up against it. So let's, let's kind of break this down a little bit. So one thing I wanted to mention is that the Eagles in their, last four games where they've looked really strong despite having practice squad players, they've been able to score early in the game. I think that's crucial here.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um,
1: I, I would say that if they're able to score first in this game, I'm going to go as far as to say if they score first, they're going to win the game.
0: I mean, that's a bold statement because I think there's going to be a lot of
1: scores, but I like it. I, I think it's, despite it being potentially a high-scoring game, I think it's setting a tone in your home stadium um, that is hard to come back from. And I think the Seahawks offense and the players specifically I mentioned before, um, including DK Metcalf, who is a great young receiver that's uh, clearly making a lot of plays for them. Uh, that's more to me, what's going to threaten the Eagles rather than their defense, which is just not what it used to be. Um, so I, I think Carson Wentz can really have a game here. Russell Wilson was like a childhood hero of Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz grew up in, um, North Carolina and Russell Wilson started his college career at NC state before transferring to Wisconsin. And, um, you know, I, there's just a lot of juice going into this game. So
0: there sure is.
1: I, I could see a, a few different scenarios here, but to me, even if the Eagles go, go down and they're able to put a long drive together and kick a field goal, I think if they can get on the board first at home, I, I really, I do like their chances.
0: Um, I like that. I, I, I agree. It sets a tone that the team is, uh, there to play their game and that should be a good sign. I'm curious. Do you think if miles Sanders is healthy, that he starts or you
1: think that Boston Scott is going to get the start after that hot hand performance last week? I would, I would think if miles is ready, he'll he'll start the game. I agree with that. I don't think that they'll ease him into it. And like I said, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast. I truly believe that this is more precautionary than it is injury. I do believe he injured his ankle, but in watching some of the social media content um, in just kind of hearing things through other media outlets. It it seems as though he's not walking with a boot or walking with, you know, ice on or any of that kind of thing. So I think it's right. just to kind of preserve him so that on Sunday he's fully ready to go uh, for the weapon that he is and that he'll need to be uh, against the Seahawks defense, which I think miles may have one of those long, um, long receptions in this game. One of those wheel routes that he was running earlier in the season where he's able to kind of get outside, get behind the defense and come up with a big play
0: i'd love to see that (laughs)
1: that'd be great um i i wanted to get a sense from you going into his first playoff game based on everything that's happened this year what do you think carson's mentality is right now
0: i think each game carson um goes through at 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 this point it's been every week for the last four weeks uh each game becomes the next biggest game of his career and and he's putting that mindset into his preparation. This is the biggest um game I I will ever have played in to date and he seems locked in and focused and is willing to do whatever it takes to win. And so I I think I think right now it's it's that time of the year where games are a little bit more meaningful in terms of the impact you lose you go home and Carson seems to be centered in on on football um ready to play the game and I I I think it's probably his his focus right now that I think the past few weeks is what's really been impressive
1: yeah and I think he's able to kind of keep that focus on the present. I mean, he knows that the season has been a, a real up and down journey, I'm sure, but that's, that's kind of how I see it too. And and I wonder too, because Carson is human and I'm sure he hears the narratives that, you know, every week the uh, press or the sports talk radio uh, hosts are saying, this is the biggest game of Carson wins career. No, this is the biggest game of Carson wins career. Right. And I think at a certain point that kind of loses its meaning, you know, like it, like, I remember this episode of the Simpsons where uh, Marge says, you know, like Homer, this is the worst thing you've ever done. And Homer says back "Marge, you said that so many times, it's lost all meaning. Like, it's (laughs) kind of like that, where it's like, if you're hearing that over and over again, it no longer psychs you out. It's no longer something that's really going to like crawl into your head and affect how you perform at something because you've heard it so many times. Um, Yeah. I I hope that that's, you know, the case for him because there are so many narratives going into this game with him lacking playoff experience for the caliber of quarterback that he is, and this being kind of a okay, prove it
0: kind of a moment. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, I, I like how you're approaching that. Um, you know, you don't really have to put a label on it that it's the biggest game he's played in. You know, it is kind of inherent just in the, you know, it being the playoffs and him, he's never played there. Uh, but maybe since we've been playing in that playoff atmosphere over the past four weeks, um, that's just, that's just normal to him right now. Yeah. You know, I think that's operating part of in too. that
1: environment. I think that's part of it too. It's not just that people are saying it's the biggest game of his career. It's that it's been do or die for so long now that this new playoff atmosphere is not something that he's just stepping into for this game against the Seahawks, um, yeah, which should bode well for him. Well, and in a lot of ways, despite the records of other teams, which a lot of people are pointing to, um, that they were playing in this last stretch here, there's still division games and division games are always a challenge, no matter who the quarterback is. So I I think, I think there's a lot that he can kind of hang his hat on going into this game. But I think, I think he's going to look to, as he always does, I think he's going to look to ball out. I think Carson Wentz after this game, I think we're going to be even more impressed uh, with him. I really believe that. And I, I, I actually believe that despite the outcome, but uh, I know how I'm, I'm kind of leaning. Um, Yep. Who do you think of the practice squad players, um, who do you think is going to be most impactful in this, in this upcoming game? Will it be Boston Scott, uh, Greg Ward, uh, Deontay Burnett, who we didn't really mention tonight, who was picked up, I think, off the Jets practice squad and made a really clutch diving catch, uh, like 40, yeah. 40-some-odd yard catch from uh, Carson Wentz on an important play uh, after huge. a really bad downfield catch. Uh, play that they had that was called back from a, a penalty, a holding penalty. Um, who do you think is going to be most impactful in this upcoming game? Oh, and then Josh Perkins, who had the touchdown. Who do you think is going to be most impactful of those guys in this upcoming game?
0: You know, I I really – I know it's uh, a safe pick, but I think it's going to be Boston Scott continuing uh, what, he, what he showed us against the Giants with three touchdowns and um, his involvement in the running and passing game. More screens to him, I just like how the uh the offense rolls when he seems to be rolling, um so you know I, I think Doug is going to make it a point to incorporate him into the centerpiece of his offensive strategy and um, I, I just let him do his thing on the field yeah
1: i i think I see Boston being a contributor just is just as like my projection i guess I, I don't i don't see him being obviously able to match what he was able to do in the last game which is significant but um i don't know i think in terms of likelihood of like play of the game potential i think it's got to be greg ward i think greg ward could potentially make the play of the game um and i'm gonna go a little bit further to say i think greg ward might throw a pass in this game
0: all right I mean, they uh, did line him up under uh, – in a shotgun They he ran, ran it. Up,
1: Yeah, in a wildcat kind of a, kind of like a, like what they used to do with Vic with the wildcat. But yep. he wound up – I think he ran for like seven yards or something like that. It wasn't a bad play, but uh, clearly it was more to kind of threaten the defense. And then I think the look uh, kind of changed or something like that and they weren't able to throw the ball. But uh, it would be interesting to see that skill set of his used as a, a former college quarterback. Um, as far Absolutely. as – as far as Dallas Goddard, what do you see his impact being in this game? Let's let's assume safely. We didn't mention Zach Ertz, which was foolish of both of us. So we, uh, in touching on injury, Zach Ertz uh, fractured a rib in the game against the Cowboys. At the time, it was said that the rib was not displaced so that it wouldn't um, endanger any organs. And then there was news that he had potentially had some uh, bleeding from his kidney uh, due to this rib fracture and uh, it's a little unclear right now whether or not he'll play. Uh, but obviously, with the health concerns at stake, uh, if there's any doubt, uh, my hope is that he will preserve himself as a human being first uh, in the hopes that another week's rest you know, will help him and that he can get the assurances he needs uh, as the Eagles are, are able to progress. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, if you're, the, if you're the coach and they say, well, he's kind of on the bubble, but, you know, it's, it's up to him.
0: Yeah, only Zach can really answer that question. Um, I would think he would play the smart route if it is something serious or if there's potential for making it worse. You know, just sit, especially because what we got in Dallas Goddard and the confidence that Zach Ertz should have in his teammate, um, Dallas Goddard, that production is going to be there. Um, They are somewhat they are interchangeable players in terms of productivity and goddard is really just coming into himself um so i think goddard has a huge impact on the game especially if earths um has limited role or does not play
1: yeah i i think goddard is i think goddard is going to continue to justify that narrative of like the earth's clone that we talked about earlier tonight i think he's he's going to make some really clutch plays i think He has at least one more of those really impressive third down plays. Um, I I don't think Goddard is like the play of the game type of guy, but I I do see him having a touchdown in this game. Um, But I I think he's going to be more of a third down guy. I think they're going to use him in an Ertz kind of way in that sense, where maybe he's not getting uh, all the touchdown catches, but he's making some really crucial third down plays. The difference with Goddard is that he gets some serious yards after catch. So, you know, on a screen, I can see Dallas Goddard making a really big impact.
0: Absolutely, man. Um, do, you want to, uh, do you want to kick it forward to some score predictions?
1: Yeah, I think we, I think we should. I, I think we should, and then maybe talk a little future stuff. Obviously, you know, don't put the cart before the horse. But real quick, if the Eagles are, let's say, without Zach Ertz in this game, let's say without Lane Johnson in this game, that if they're able to win this game at home against the Seahawks 440 on Sunday, if they can win, that they'll be getting back Lane Johnson, Zach Ertz, and Deshaun Jackson.
0: Oh yeah, that you're that's adding big, those things back
1: into your offense uh, for an offense that's really got a lot of momentum with a bunch of guys who are practice squad players. Let's be honest. So yeah, um, bring yeah, us. Let's, let's bring start us with the W that brings us to Sean. So give me
0: Mike, give me your score prediction, then give me your offensive player of the game and your defensive player of the game. So I'm going. I'm going with a 33-29 score, Eagles. Okay, and my offensive player of the game is going to be miles Sanders with a, with a, um, let's say a 40 plus yard run. Wow. Yeah, that would be amazing.
1: (laughs) That would be amazing. Especially if it was for a touchdown. I think, I think if that happens, the Eagles definitely won the game, Mm -hmm. Um, man, that's, that's a good one. All right. Well, why don't you think on your defensive one and I'll give my score and my offensive player. Sounds Um, good. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a high scoring game as well. I'm, I'm kind of seeing like a thirty thirty two 32 to 26 kind of a game. All right. Um, and as far as an offensive player, I'm kind of, I'm torn on this one a little bit, but I, I think I am going to go with Dallas Goddard. I think he's just going to have a volume type of day where he just winds up making a bunch of plays some you know leaping catches some screens some you know jump balls um and he's going to kind of show himself to be that that dominant player um but you know we'll we'll kind of see how that plays out what do you think about the defense
0: so on the defense side of the ball i i i this isn't going to be maybe it's a risky pick but i like the swagger this guy brings to the table and i'm I'm going to say Jalen Mills rips down an interception in this game. That's an interesting
1: one, and we, we forgot to touch on him as well. So, he had a foot injury that kept him out completely of the Giants game, although I think, I think he's expected to play this Sunday, or he told
0: reporters that he's expecting to play.
1: So, um, describe the scenario again one more time.
0: Just uh, rips down an interception uh, could be, could be um, a goal line situation.
1: Wow. Man, if that, if that happens, you got to bet the next game. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) let's see here as far as a defensive player I really believe it's going to be Derek Barnett who I didn't really mention today he is a guy who's experienced some injuries this year missed some games um, but he there was one play uh, that somebody had kind of cut up a clip of and put on Twitter of him uh, pass rushing and it didn't wind up being a completed pass and he just kind of got in the quarterback's face but he did this double spin move like two spins back to back and I don't even know how you know where you're at at that point after you finish. But he got in the quarterback's face, and the quarterback made a bad throw, um, and he was able to to kind of disrupt it. But I think he's due to make a, a big play, and he seems to be around the ball when big plays happen. So I'm going to go with Derek Barnett on the defense. But uh, this has been another episode of the Eagles Water Cooler. Hopefully we will be back to talk about the next rounds. Oh, yeah. The playoffs, the NFC playoff, uh, which would be the division round. I think – uh, this is more future stuff, but I'm pretty sure if the Eagles win the playoff, uh, the opening playoff game, sorry, against the Seahawks, that they will go to San Francisco. Is that right, Mike? San Francisco has to buy, I
0: believe. That's that's correct. Okay,
1: so uh, if that's the case, Mike and I will absolutely be back next week to do another podcast and recap what's happened in the Seahawks game and uh, look forward. If it does not pan out that way, it might be a little bit longer until Mike and I get back to it. Um, but we plan to do uh, a lot in the off season to try to generate a little bit more content and set the table for the year that's to come. So uh, we appreciate everybody listening. Um, If people want to put up some reviews on Apple, that never hurts anything. Give us some reviews and uh, give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Uh, But thank you for listening to the Eagles Water Cooler and go, Berts. Go, Burtz! Go, Burtz!